Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Been a while since we talked here in the South Sports and Stuff podcast, so glad to be back with you. The reason why it's been a while is I've been on WGR a lot because Jeremy had Jeremy and Molly, his wife uh, from WGR, Jeremy White and Molly, his wife, they had their twins so congratulations to them. That's awesome. So for a couple of weeks, I filled in for Jeremy while, you know, he and Molly were getting situated at home with their twins, a boy and a girl, Dylan and Knox. So really cool uh, that they uh, have their twins now and are enjoying life as parents, first time parents. But also then Howard went on vacation, Howard Simon. So I was filling in for him. So I've been basically filling in on the morning show. And I think, I think it was on the afternoon show, um, one week or at least a few times as well, filling in. You guys know me. I'm like the ultimate fill in guy. I'm the first guy in off the bench. I, if, if we were the NBA, I'd get the sixth man award, I think every year, but I don't mind. I love it. And this is, you know what I do. I'm a team player. I've always been a team player. I think one of the best things you can be in your life is, you know, available. And I don't just mean that in a football sense, because we talk about it like that, but just available for your coworkers and the people that you work with to, to help out, especially when you love what you do, like I do, uh, to really be there to make sure that, you know, people are, uh, okay with, you know, moving around a little bit, getting things that in their life done that they need when they can have someone reliable to step in for them. So, you know, by no means, Am I going to sit here and say that I can keep the morning show going as well as Howard or Jeremy? If you feel that, I appreciate that, but I'm there for them when they need me. Same thing with Show Up and the Bulldog in the afternoon, and I'm there when they need me. But that's why I haven't done the podcast in about a month, actually. I haven't done the podcast. I went back the last time I think I did a podcast, I think, I didn't even look at this, was when I was going position by position uh, with the Bills and looking at the state of the Bills through each position. So, we're done with that, and now we're in a draft season, right? Draft is coming up. I'm sitting here. I'm talking to you here on April 19th. It is a Monday. The draft is one week and three days away, so 10 days, right, from today. And there's just a lot of different scenarios for the Bills, and that's what kind of makes this draft even more cool. Like last year, it was like that. You don't know because they didn't pick to the second round. They gave up their first-round pick for Stefan Diggs. And this year is kind of like that, but now at least you're picking in the first round, number 30 overall. But man, who knows who's going to be there by 30? It's it's cool to try and do the mock drafts and to look at all of the prospects. And, you know, I'll do that as well. Obviously, it's part of my job I do it. But to try and pigeonhole the Bills into who they're going to take and try to figure that out, I mean, that is, that's like winning the lottery almost, trying to figure that out at pick number 30. Someone out there is going to hit it. You're going to get a ton of mock drafts locally, nationally, 
maybe mine. I'll have a couple, maybe one, whatever. I usually do one before the uh, before the draft. It's usually on the day of the draft. I think we're going to do one at WGR, but somebody will have it and say, oh, yeah, look at that. That person got it right, and, and good for them, whoever it is. But it's just too hard to pick and predict what the Bills are going to do. That's because they have a really good roster. They have a championship-caliber roster. It's not a championship roster because they haven't won a championship. They they were 45 minutes away from an AFC championship last year. 45 minutes away from going to the Super Bowl. And the roster itself is pretty much intact except for a few changes. We've gone over them here or there. I can even, you know, maybe we can do that a little bit here as we go on. The scorecard. I always tweet out the Bills offseason scorecard and some of the changes they've made on their roster. But, you know, they have a good roster. They're picking 30th. We don't know what's going to happen. Brandon Bean has a ton of options at his disposal. But, of course, those options are going to change as the draft goes on, as guys start to fall off the board, as teams figure out maybe they can get a guy, they can't get a guy, they want to move into that spot. Maybe Brandon Bean himself wants to move up. Who knows where that's going to go? And when I talk about you know the roster and how good it is, that gets me right to the best player available versus need. And we've talked about this a lot. It's it's the number one thing you you talk about with the draft every year, no matter who you're a fan of. Best player available versus need. And I'm here to tell you, I'm a best player available guy because that's the way teams think. Teams don't generally draft for need. However, there is a little nuance in that. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about, you know, really make a point here on this podcast, which is BPA, best player available. Is it best available player? BAP? It's BPA, best player available versus need. And it's not simply that black and white. And and we know that because why? Because even though you can say that was the best player on our board, when a team picks a guy, they say, oh, he was the best player on our board. There's always the argument that someone can say, yeah, but you needed him too. Like you totally took a guy that you needed and you didn't take a quarterback because you didn't need him. And I think that's where we kind of have to change the way we think about this. We have to change the way we talk about this. It's not really... Is it the best player available or is it need? I do think teams generally take the best player available. However, the caveat is also that as long as it's not at a position that you don't need, right? So like the Bills don't need a quarterback. If for some reason, whatever reason, let's just take a totally ridiculous scenario here. Let's say Justin Fields is available at pick number 30 when the Bills come on the board. They're still not taking Justin Fields. Now, Maybe, I guess teams have done it. Jordan Love was taken by the Green Bay Packers. They actually traded up for him because they have a plan for that somehow. But teams maybe have done it in the past where they do take a guy because the value is simply too good to pass up, and then you have that asset. You take the guy and you go, look, we have the asset now. We just couldn't pass him up. But really, a team isn't going to take a player that they have completely set at a position they have absolutely no need for. Because you could make an argument that other than basically quarterback, maybe running back, um, a couple other positions here or there, depending on rosters, that teams generally do have a need across the entire starting 22 or 22 positions, I should say, 25, counting punter, kicker, and long snapper. But it's really, to me, not, again, best player available versus need. Or when you say we took the best player available, it's, yeah, we took the best player available, but also in a spot where we are going to take a player, we absolutely, we're, we're going to pass on someone if we do not need that position. So what I mean also is, let's take another example. The Carolina Panthers. They're not going to take a running back. 
even if the highest rated player on their board when they come and pick is, let's say, Travis Etienne. The Carolina Panthers aren't taking Travis Etienne unless they already had a plan on maybe moving on from Christian McCaffrey or they already have a plan to add a running back. But you could see why that just wouldn't make sense for them. So again, there is a little nuance to the best player available versus need. To me, I think we need to stop talking about it necessarily in that exact framework because teams do take the best player available, but they also pass on someone who might be ranked a little bit higher because they simply don't need that position. Is it always the best player available? No, and again, this is what my point is. You can kind of pick that apart and go, did you really have that guy ranked ahead of that other guy? And a GM might always say, oh yeah, he was the highest guy available on our board. But in reality, he might have been second or third. You just didn't need the the spot, you know, the guy ahead of him because he plays a position where you're totally already set. Now, in that Justin Fields example I gave you, the Bills would probably trade, right? I mean, that's what generally happens. You get to a spot in the draft, whether you're picking 5th or 10th or 12th or 30th like the Bills, whatever it is, and your board is not the same as someone else's. Everyone values all of these players a little bit differently. But you get to that spot, and your highest-rated player is a position that you just don't need. It's a quarterback, but you're all set. It's a running back, but you're all set. But there's another team out there that absolutely needs that position or wants that position, wants that player. They have a need there. That's when a trade really comes into focus. So again, I just think that every year around this time, we talk about best player available versus need. And then a GM takes a guy, he says, oh, he was our best player. He was the highest rated guy on our board. When you could probably think, you know what? Did you really have him higher than A and B who are also out there? And the answer a lot of times is yes. But a lot of times it's probably no, we just really didn't need the other thing. So it's not that teams draft for need. They can because it's always, you know what? We also need this guy. You need everything. You always need everything in the NFL. You always need good players. It's always good to draft good players, have good players. Injuries happen. Your needs on April 19th are going to be a lot different a lot of times, even then when the season starts because of injuries, because of a lot of different situations. And the draft also isn't just about this year. The draft isn't just about 2021. It's about 2022 and beyond. And you got to keep the cupboard stocked. So for the Buffalo Bills, to me, again, they're not going to draft a quarterback. They're going to, there's going to be maybe even linebacker comes into play here, which I want to get to Tremaine Edmonds and talk about him and how that might impact the draft or going forward. Like that's a spot where they only play two linebackers. I see people still mocking linebacker to the bills and I'm thinking, boy, I just can't see them doing that because they don't need linebacker. Now, if they really did have Collins, a linebacker Collins, who a lot of people are very high on, think that he could fit on the bills, something like that, or a couple other players, I would say, you know what? If you really believe that much in him, that either a, he's going to have to play over somebody B you're going to have to move somebody off the roster or C they're just going to have to play a lot more three linebacker sets, which they don't really do right now. Taking a player at a position where you're pretty much set just kind of changes the dynamic and maybe even philosophy of how you play. It changes the roster maybe going forward in six months or a year. It doesn't have to be right now. It's a lot of times these guys just You might want to get him in your program, and then you decide we're going to move somebody else off the roster after we develop this guy for a year. But if you take a look at the Bills' free agent scorecard right now, it's the offseason scorecard, I should say, mostly free agents, but obviously 
there was a trade. <laughs> they did trade Lee Smith to the Atlanta Falcons. Here's who the Bills have lost this year so far. All right. These are players who signed with other teams, or in one case, they traded Lee Smith, the tight end. They also lost another tight end and Tyler Croft. They lost two wide receivers, John Brown and Andre Roberts. And of course, Andre Roberts is mostly a return man. Brown went to the Raiders. Roberts went to the Texans. Croft, he signed with the Jets. Lee Smith traded to the Falcons. They lost a couple of offensive linemen. Ty Insecki, a swing tackle. He signed with the Dallas Cowboys. Brian Winters, a interior player, backup player. He signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Defensive tackle, Quinton Jefferson. He also went to the Raiders, joining John Brown. And then Dean Marlowe recently signed with the Detroit Lions. And I, I think that Dean Marlowe signing, I do think, I, I expected him to come back to Buffalo. He didn't. I think he's been a very nice player to have in a reserve role, someone you could really count on um, if Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer weren't on the field, but they're on the field all the time. It's not a position where you absolutely just have to have this really good backup because the other guys don't play a lot or get injured a lot. It just hasn't been the case for the Bills. So I think they are a little light at the safety numbers, which I'll talk about in a second as well. Who did they gain? So they lost John Brown, Andre Roberts, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, Ty Insecki, Brian Winters, Quentin Jefferson, and Dean Marlowe. Who have they signed? Quarterback Mitch Trubisky, backup to Josh Allen. I think you're getting a really nice backup quarterback. Most teams don't have guys who have won in this league. And at a young age, still trying to prove himself. Yes, Mitch Trubisky, uh, I should say no, Mitch Trubisky has not lived up to his draft status, but you could do a lot worse for a backup quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. Emmanuel Sanders, who's basically a one-for-one replacement for John Brown, but he's a different type of receiver, not the straight-line speed guy. Um, he can play inside, he can play outside, uh, more of a, a, a guy that's going to be used to sit down in zone coverage, find some areas, kind of like Cole Beasley in that regard, but also you can get him the ball on the outside as well. He can win. Uh, I think he's a little stronger, a lot of different uh, ways that you can use Emmanuel Sanders. Jacob Hollister, the tight end. Uh, the Bills signed him from the Seattle Seahawks. I think he's a player that, you know, he's going to fit in a little bit. He's not going to play over Dawson Knox or more than Dawson Knox to me. I think he just kind of fits in in the tight end room, and he'll be someone who can catch passes uh, in in those situations, but you're not going to be afraid to put him on the field in blocking situations. He's also certainly uh, not Lee Smith. It's kind of like maybe a one-for-one one for Tyler Croft, actually, when you look at Jacob Hollister. I really like, and I think the most underrated signing here and most intriguing might be uh, F.A. Obata. Or it's Obada, excuse me, from the, I think that's how you say it, from the uh, Carolina Panthers. This is a very long, um, athletic defensive end who was part of the international pathway program, That the same thing that Christian Wade is in right now, but he was part of that when he came over uh, back several years ago. He's been in the league now a few years, and he's really kind of started to come into his own and had five and a half sacks last year. So, you know, we'll see what he can do and how he can fit on the defensive end. I, I, rotation, I, I'm just really intrigued by him. They started the offseason by signing uh, Matt Houck. He is a punter, and he replaces basically Corey Bajorquez, who still has not found a team. He was on a uh, restricted free agent contract. The Bills did not tender him, but there's the the trade-out for you, if you will. Um, Hawk for Matt Hawk, I should say. Not Houck. Did I say Houck? Matt Hawk for Corey Bajorquez. Matt Breda. Breda, Breda. Look at these guys. I got Breda, Breda, Hawk, Houck, Obada, Obada. At least Trubisky, Sanders, and Hollister. You know, they don't have, I don't have to worry about that. Uh, but Matt Breda, he is a very, uh, he's a fast running back. Not a guy that's going to carry the load a lot, but I think he adds an element this team needs, the speed element to the backfield, get the ball in his hands. Um, it, we're, it's going to be interesting to see how that 
plays out with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. And of course, a lot of you out there think the team could still grab a running back early in the first, you know, early in the draft in the first round, maybe like Travis Etienne or Najee Harris. I don't know. I'm not as much there, but I totally understand where you might be coming from. And then they're getting back Starla Tulele uh, from his opt out last year. So I consider, consider him a gain in my scorecard. They've also signed offensive lineman, Bobby Hart, linebacker, Terrell Adams, linebacker, Markel Lee, Offensive lineman, Jamil Douglas. Offensive lineman, Forrest Lamp. These are basically all depth signings. I think the one out of all of those guys that I'm most intrigued by is Terrell Adams because, you know, he was, this guy was like top 15 in the NFL in tackles last year for the Texans. He played because of injury, but he played pretty well. Now we'll see what he can do. You know, he I don't know if he's necessarily a, a fit for how the Bills want to run as an everyday linebacker, but he's also a guy that can help out in coverage. I think you could put him on the field uh, when you want to go some three linebacker sets and things like that, but I think that's a, a signing that I'm also intrigued by. By the way, another loss just happened last week. Uh, it was Trey Adams. Trey Adams, the offensive tackle. He was on the practice squad last year, came over from the University of Washington, undrafted free agent. He has retired from football. Now, the guys that... They've kept in the fold. They've re-signed in some way, shape, or form. We know Daryl Williams, John Feliciano, and Matt Milano are the big three, right, in whatever order. Milano, Feliciano, Williams. They also have retained Ike Butker as of right now. He hasn't signed a restricted free agent tender with any other team, as we know. I don't expect that to happen, but you never know. Um, I think there's still about a week left uh, for that to basically happen. Uh, Jordan Devy, he was actually an offensive lineman they re-signed right when the offseason started because um, they had him on the active roster, so they couldn't really do a futures contract. He was a free agent, so they brought him back. Isaiah McKenzie comes back, as we know, helping out in the wide receiver room, a guy that I think that was important to their depth last year. Running back Tywan Jones, very important special teams piece, and a um, extreme depth running back, if you will, uh, with Tywan Jones. Andre Smith, again, special teams, linebacker, and cornerback Levi Wallace. And I think that gets us to, you know, what they're going to do at corner, because I think corner is very much in play in the draft at pick number 30. Now, here I go talking about, oh, you don't draft for need. But again, this is a position where if you have a guy ranked highly, he completely just fits right on your team and can step right in. You do not pass up on corner at pick number 30 because you aren't set at the position. That's really more what it's about, what I was trying to talk about earlier. Maybe that's the way to say it. You know, you it's, it's best player available that you don't pass up on because you aren't set at the position. That's what it is. Because if you're super set at the position, then you might pass up on the best player available. So it really, you go to the next guy and say, can we use that guy at a position? Yes. If you have a guy that's really highly valued on your board, you say, do we need that position? No. You might go to the next guy. Unless, again, it's such a great value, you just want to have the asset and you put him on your team. Still unsigned, Buffalo Bills free agents. Guys who are on expiring contracts who have not signed with other teams yet. Quarterback Matt Barkley, running back TJ Yeldon, defensive end Trent Murphy, Cornerback Josh Norman, punter Corey Bajorquez, and then they released cornerback EJ Gaines, who had opt out, opted out last year anyway. I'm not expecting any of these guys to return to Buffalo. Um, you never know, I guess, maybe with a guy like Norman. Bajorquez, no. Trent Murphy, can't see it. Uh, he was inactive a lot last year. TJ Yeldon, they've already kind of you know had his replacement with Breda. And then Matt Barkley, obviously, we know that they signed Trubisky. So it looks like all of these guys, they're going to be you know playing elsewhere next season, if they're playing at all. So now it brings us to linebacker, which is super interesting because what I said about Tremaine Edmonds before, which is his fifth-year option, or I should say what I wrote about Tremaine Edmonds at our website, 
WGR550.com. Tremaine Edmonds has a fifth-year option coming up. Same thing with Josh Allen. Now, the team has until May 3rd to decide on that fifth-year option and if they want to pick it up. And again, fifth-year option meaning 2022. Both Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds are signed through this season, through 2021, on their rookie deals. They were both drafted in 2018 in the first round. They've played 2018, 2019, 2020. They both have four-year contracts with a team option for a fifth year. But that team option has to be picked up by May 3rd. That's the deadline. We all know the Bills are going to pick up Josh Allen's option. The only way that doesn't happen is if they sign him to an extension. They're not letting their rookie, their, I'm sorry, uh, their franchise quarterback uh, go into the final deal deal of his rookie contract, go into the final year of his rookie contract, you know, just as a possible free agent next year. I mean, I guess in some weird scenario, the Bills could just feel it's better to say, you know what? We know we're going to sign him to an extension. Eh, basically, heck with it. We're not going to put the fifth-year option on him. It just wouldn't make sense. They're going to keep Josh Allen. The question really becomes about Tremaine Edmonds. And, you know, Tremaine is kind of a polarizing player in a lot of ways. But I will tell you, when I wrote the article and tweeted about it, I got a lot of people mostly on the Tremaine side, which is, you know, pick up the fifth-year option, meaning like they're, they're believers in Tremaine and positive on him. There's definitely people, though, are his detractors and think the Bills, A, just should not do that and should move on from him in one way, shape, or form, or B, just wait and see and not commit to him to that number. What is that number? Well, for Tremaine Edmonds, it's almost $13 million. It's $12.791 million for one season in 2022, and that's because he made the Pro Bowl once on the original ballot. He did make it a second time as an injury replacement, but that doesn't matter. Same with Josh Allen, by the way. He made the Pro Bowl once. His fifth-year option is actually going to be just over $23 million. Again, not even talking about Josh here. I'm not concerned about that. They'll do something with Josh. They'll have him in the fold. But Edmonds at close to just under $12.8 million for one year. That's guaranteed. Once they pick it up, it's guaranteed. And there's no going back. There's also, once you get past May 3rd, you can't decide to suddenly do it. It's either you got to do it, for two years from now, or you don't do it for two years from now. Now, there are a lot of different scenarios in how this can play out, like I said. And there's no doubt the Bills, I think, really like Tremaine Edmonds. But how much they like him and at that number and what they paid Matt Milano, I think are the questions that start to come into play. The biggest thing with Tremaine is always his age that people talk about. 22 years old. In fact, he's going to be 23 the day before the deadline on May 2nd, only 23 years old. He came into the league at 19. That's incredibly rare. Now, I went over to pro football reference. Tremaine Edmonds, according to the research there, 46 games played are the second most in NFL history for any player prior prior to turning 23 years old. The only other player who played more games was Amobi Okoye's 48 he was a defensive end, a defensive tackle, I'm sorry, for the Houston Texans. I think he played for a few teams. But Amobi Okoye played 48 games before turning 23 years old. Edmonds, he's played 46. That's number one and two in NFL history, according to the research from Pro Football Reference. Also, according to that website, he has more tackles than anyone in league history before the age of 23, ahead of Luke Keekley and Ray Lewis, who are second and third on the list. Yes, I know, I'm fully aware, those guys did it in two years. Tremaine Edmonds did it in three years. I'm simply making the point of how young he is. That's all. His age, a big reason why the team is still really high on him. 
His numbers have remained consistent throughout his first three seasons. He finished between, he has finished, I should say, between 115 and 121 total tackles in each of his three years. It's 115, 121, 119. That has ranked him in the top 20 every single year and twice in the top 14 in the league in his three years he's been in the league. Three years, top 20 every year, top 14 two different years, 115 tackles at least. Good numbers. But he also has his detractors. And those detractors point to too many missed tackles, bad angles taken, and too often not being able to get away from bigger blockers. I've seen it. You've seen it. We've talked a lot about it. Now, some of that was definitely on display last season after especially he injured his shoulder opening week against the Jets. After that injury, he missed week two against Miami, but he still played every other game. And in fact, Tremaine Edmonds has only missed two games in his first three seasons. I talked about availability before to open up the podcast. That's Tremaine Edmonds. He's been available. He played through a very tough injury last year, and I think we found out later in the year just how tough that was on him. Coaches kept telling us, yes, this is a big deal. His injured shoulder. He hurt it week one. He missed week two. He played the rest of the year. Brandon Bean, Bill's GM, basically by the things that he has said, I think add up to him believing that injury, A, played a big role last year in Tremaine's struggles, and B, that this kid has not even, maybe even come close to what his ceiling is, and he has a lot of room to grow. In fact, he talked about the injury when he met with the media at the end of the season, talked about how, you know, that really was tough for him. It was his first injury. He had to kind of fight through that, learn all about that. Then he said, and I think this is, um, you know, the, the money quote from when you want to talk about what they might do with Tremaine. This is from Brandon Bean. He said, quote, I think sometimes in your own fan base, or your own house, sometimes you can be more critical of your own than seeing how they compare across the league. But Tremaine's 22 years old. He's a young player. We still have a lot of confidence in it, in him and where he'll grow into. That's the quote. And I think that really shows Brandon Bean believes that Tremaine Edmonds is still a big part of this team's future going forward. In fact, we know what his three tenets are, if you will, of building a team. Brandon Bean. Draft, develop, retain. That's been his motto since he arrived in 2017, and he's practiced what he's preached so far. We know that. Cornerback Tredavious White, left tackle Deion Dawkins, linebacker Matt Milano, all signed long-term extensions. Granted, none of those three were in Brandon Bean's draft. He was hired after that draft, but they're all part of his team that since he got here, they were rookies. He got here right after that draft, after they were brought in. Now, like Josh Allen... Obviously, Tremaine is part of that first class he had the following year. Brandon Bean comes in the next year, 2018. That's his first draft. Just nine picks apart, he decides, here's my quarterback. Here's my middle linebacker. Here's my captain of my offense, captain of my defense. And Tremaine has been named captain each of the last two years, just like Josh. Here is my my guy, my guy in the center that I'm going to build around, my cornerstone for the next decade on each side of the ball. And when you do that as a GM, There's a prideful, emotional attachment that comes with those kinds of players for any general manager. But Brandon Bean has to take pride and emotion out of all of this. It has to be based on merit, value, how he envisions the team building it and what the roster looks like going forward, the financial structure of the team. All of it has to be considered. And again, Tremaine Edmonds, one year left on a rookie deal and 
This year, he's only scheduled to make $2.2 million in base salary. He's going to count $4 million against the salary cap. That's a very, very fr- uh, team-friendly number for any starting middle linebacker, really. Even even like if you go through all 32 teams and say, yeah, this guy's the worst starting middle linebacker. If a guy's a starting middle linebacker playing on a $4 million salary against the cap, you can live with that. A guy that is 22 years old, he's been to two Pro Bowls, that's an amazing number for the Bills. But they also just re-signed Matt Milano, as we know. And how much do they want to allocate to that position after 2021? Because they can just let Tremaine play out, you know, this year at that number, and that's fine. Milano, four years, over $41 million, salary cap hit this uh, in, in 2022. His salary cap hit in 2022, when Tremaine's fifth year would come into play, is $10 million. So now you add that together, right? $10 million for Milano close to 13 million for Tremaine, you know, we're talking $23 million that would be tied up in your two starting linebackers. And the Bills really only have two starting linebackers because they do play so much nickel. But that's what it would be. That's a lot of money. Now you think about the other guys who are still on the roster. A.J. Klein, Tyler Medikevich, you know, Andre Smith, like I said, whoever it is. I just kind of looked at a lot of these salaries and I projected out like what would it be just to kind of slot backups in and things like that. Guys already on, like Klein and Medikevich are still under contract. But if you took the backup linebackers, you added them to that 23 million or so, you're talking about 35 million for the linebacker position for these two and the backups. That's a lot. Now it's not tops in the league, but it's probably about fourth or fifth or somewhere in there as far as most money allocated to that position. And let's remember, you still have a Josh Allen contract on the horizon. So it's something the Bills have to consider how much money is being allocated across the entire roster. Now, one plausible option for the Bills, for Tremaine, exercise his fifth-year option, buying time to see what the salary cap projections are going to be over the next few years, and then also buys time to see where Edmonds takes his game next season in 2021. Then Brandon Bean can you know, go to his side and the two can work out a long-term extension if he wants, maybe even lowering that number in 2022, uh, knowing that they are going to have their linebackers in the fold for the next few years. You can try and, you know, maneuver the money, give them uh, a contract that kind of lowers that salary, plays it off a little bit with Milano and makes it all fit in. I think that's really a very plausible scenario with what the Bills do here. And if they do that, right, if they do exercise the fifth year, but then they don't, think that he's extension-worthy after 2021, well, they'd still be on the hook for the close to $12.8 million salary. And the way I would look at it is this. What's the worst-case scenario here? You pick up the fifth-year option, and then in 2021, you say, you know what, we just haven't seen the growth in Tremaine's game. He probably isn't completely worth that contract that we're going to give him for his fifth year. Well, guess what? It's not like he's a bust. You know, Tremaine Edmonds might have his detractors. He might have struggled at times. And the worst that would happen, I think, in that scenario is you'd basically be overpaying a little bit. Yeah, maybe a few million more than you want to pay, and nobody wants to do that. But it's not like, you know, Tremaine Edmonds suddenly is just falling off a cliff or you've just realized, oh, my God, we're paying $13 million for this guy that's terrible. You may say we're overpaying a bit, but in the worst-case scenario is they pick up the fifth-year option, they realize he's just not extension-worthy, and then you're overpaying a bit for what would then be a 23-year-old, at least two-time Pro Bowl linebacker in the middle of your defense. And by the way, and 
still give him one more season to kind of prove you wrong and say, oh, the jump didn't happen in, you know, 2021. The jump happened in 2022. So I, I think that's where I am with Tremaine and what the Bills are going to ultimately do. I think they're ultimately going to pick up the fifth-year option, but there's certainly arguments on both sides for that to happen or not to happen. All right, so we're looking at the draft now. It's coming up again in a little over a week. Lots of mock drafts out there. Lots of people talking about prospects and things like that. Need, best player available, all that kind of stuff. I think it's super cool. One of the things that I love about this draft, though, is going back to what I said, the Bills are not drafting till 30, and you can kind of play with the first four, five, ten picks and not have that pressure of who the Bills are going to take. All these years we've had Bills picking ninth, Bills picking 10th, Bills picking ninth, Bills picking 10th. It always seemed like that. Not last year, obviously. And you kind of manipulate the board to fall maybe even the way you want it if you're a Bills fan. You can't even do that here. I think the cool part about this draft is it kind of really starts at number three where the San Francisco 49ers pick. And even then, I think most people are pretty much agreeing that they're going to take a quarterback. And then it really starts at four where the Atlanta Falcons, sure, they could take a quarterback. They could take Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or anybody really, or they could trade out. This draft really starts at three and then really starts at four. But what I, what I would love for is for no leaks, no leaks by this for the San Francisco 49ers. Remember, like they make the trade with the Dolphins and they get up to three with the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Dolphins make like the three-way trade, however it worked, the Eagles and the 49ers. They get up to number three and all of a sudden it's, oh my God, they're taking Mac Jones and everybody's sourcing it out and all these rumors and reports are taking Mac Jones. Well, a funny thing has happened in the last like week or so. Suddenly it's Justin Fields who is now the betting line favorite in Vegas to be taken number three overall. And now there's even some rumors that Trey Lance is the guy at number three. I mean, there's people who think that they could take Kyle Pitts and it's just all a smokescreen and they are pairing Pitts with George Kittle. In fact, good morning football, pretty funny. I think it was Sean O'Hara who coined it and then I was watching Kyle Brandt. They were calling it Kibbles and Pitts. Kittles and Pitts, right? Kind of funny. Um, Who knows? But what I'd love to happen is none of us know. No leaks. No leaks. On the, first, on the 49ers pick. And then don't even look at Twitter. Just watch the draft. And when the commissioner steps up to the podium at number three, no one knows what's going to happen. And then suddenly he announces who the 49ers pick is. I think that's the best way to watch the draft. Now, I, I kind of can't do that because of my job, but I try to. In fact, last year it was actually easier because of the pandemic and covering the draft from home. I'm going to do that as much as I can this year. I'm just not going to follow Twitter and get the picks ahead of time. I'm not going to be tipped off. I enjoy listening to the commissioner go to the podium and give the pick and everybody going, oh, that's who we picked. It's already out there on social media. Now, there's been some agreements in the past between reporters not to do that. Not every reporter has to agree. Most reporters don't agree. But those that are kind of aligned, affiliated with the NFL, they've asked, please don't re- you know, report and tip off the picks. We want to create the drama. I like the drama. I think it's cool. Maybe you don't. You need to know every pick. You want to go online. You want to see who the... Every team is taking. Now, when it comes time for the Bills pick, I do have to get on it because if I hear anything, it's just kind of my duty to report it, but I try not to do that too soon. I I will not tip the Bills pick to you like really soon. It might happen five seconds before the pick just so I can kind of write it down and then start doing my job. But basically, I, I'll you have my word. I will not suddenly like tell you the Bills pick minutes before it happens. I want you to be able to enjoy the experience of watching the draft. I might do it just as the commissioner is at the podium 
just because, like I said, I kind of got to write it down and I got to get to work and I got to start doing stuff. But even then, I generally haven't never done that. I've basically waited for him to announce it. I remember watching the draft when I was a kid when it was on a weekday. Remember that? The draft was on a weekday. Some of you might remember that. I actually stayed home from school a couple of times when I was a kid just to watch the NFL draft. And I remember just kind of laying on the couch, you know, watching game shows in the morning and then watching the NFL draft started at noon, I think. But either way, maybe my recollection isn't completely right, but I do remember watching it at home and that's how it worked. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have social media. Now we did have some of the reporters on set, some of the people, the hosts on set and the analysts tipping the pick like Chris Berman. You remember the Bills cab driver? He would always know who the Bills are picking because he would say, oh, cab driver in Buffalo tipped me off. I'm pretty sure I know who the cab driver is and was, but I'm not going to tell you. But it hasn't really happened as much anymore. Man, maybe it has. I don't know. The cab driver. Is he still in touch with the cab driver? Um, I will tell you, though, that was the that was the coolest time to watch the draft when we kind of didn't know. And there wasn't this over-analysis by everyone on every pick and then the tipping of the picks and everyone knowing who's going to be picked and leading up to it. Now, you kind of knew the first few picks sometimes in the draft. Guys would be negotiating contracts with teams and things like that. But I really liked back in the day when that was happening, and I, and I wish uh, that would happen again. All right, what else we got to get to here? Um, I've already talked for longer than I thought I would on this podcast. So I'm bringing the podcast back this week. I'm trying to give you as much possible to talk about uh, to listen to, and I got a special treat. On Tuesday evening, I'll be interviewing interviewing Mike North. Remember Mike North? Came on my podcast last year. He is the schedule guy for the NFL. He kind of clued us in on the bills. They were going to be on prime time a lot. We knew that. I'm going to find out what's going to happen this year, too. He's not going to give us everything, but the schedule comes out about a week or two after the draft. We don't know the exact date. It's going to be super interesting. It's going to be cool. And I'm going to have Mike North on. We're going to talk about that. That's going to be on either the next podcast or the one after that. But I'm going to give you more podcasts this week because we got to talk about the draft. We got to talk about what's going on with the Bills. One final thing that I got to tell you. You guys know I talk about these TV shows I watch. Well, the wife and I, we started watching a new TV show. It's not new, though. It's an old one. I think a lot of you have already seen it. A lot of you have already been watching it for many years, maybe. It's still in run, if you will. It's on. It's The Blacklist. Is it The Blacklist or just Blacklist? Either way, have you watched this show, James Spader? So we were very much, we were, my wife and I, we were very much uh, 24 fans back in the day um, with Jack Bauer and Kiefer Sutherland obviously playing, playing Jack Bauer. It's kind of a 24 light. It's, I don't think it's as you know, like hardcore as 24, but at sometimes it is because what is totally incredible, two things, first of all, number one, 22 episodes in season one. I think 22 in season two. I'm on season two right now, maybe five, six episodes in. But we're we're very much enjoying it. It's a very, very cool show. We like it. It's right up our alley. I like it a lot. I'm not sure if you like it, you don't like it, whatever, if you ever watched it. But one thing that I think is super interesting is some of the creative like criminals and the things they do completely thinking outside the box and kind of like Oh, really? Like, who thinks of that? Who thinks of that storyline? Who thinks of someone doing that in real life and you know, committing crimes in this manner or this way, you know, with the way that they're maybe um, disposing of bodies or killing people or something like that? It's hard for me to explain right now, but there's just been some really creative ideas. And I'm like, how can they have eight seasons of this? Because 
I don't know what else they're going to think of unless it gets even more freaky. It's been crazy. We've enjoyed it. I like it a lot. Trying to get as much in. It's it's like, what, 45 minutes an episode because it was it normally airs on NBC. But, you know, we watch it on Netflix and it's there's no commercials there. They just go right to uh, the next scene. So, you know, try to watch a couple episodes a night if we can or an episode a night when, you know, we're able to. And uh, we've been able to, I guess, a, a little bit more often the last few weeks. But now with the draft coming up, you know, it's a little bit harder for me to do that. But I'm watching the Sabres, too. They've been playing a lot better. That's really cool. So I know a lot of you are into that and talking about that right now and then don't really want to talk about my Yankees. Can't do that. I am going to see them in Cleveland with the family this weekend after the snow in Buffalo. I think it's going to snow in Cleveland, too, this week. But we'll be going to Cleveland for that. So I don't want to talk about them. I do want to talk more about the draft. I do want to talk about NFL scheduling. And I'll do that on the podcast later this week with Mike North from the NFL, who's going to join me. In the meantime, thank you for joining me on this podcast on Sal Sports and Stuff. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.